Hello and welcome to Grind Forever, the PNB bi-weekly RPG discussion podcast. I am your host, Dylan Tierney, and joining me, returning after a few months of, of a break here, uh, but we don't get many returning guests, so I thought it'd be nice to talk about it. Uh, hello, Addison. Hello. And uh, this is this is a bit of an omission on Grind Forever's part. You know, we've, we've played it very safe with uh, Pokemon to a lesser extent Final Fantasy, but uh, we've never talked about a Tales of game, which is a more more contemporary, more modern, uh, classic, you know, huge JRPG franchise that's like 12 games deep and, you know, has existed for such a long time. So um, we're going with Tales of Berseria on Addison's recommendation. So Addison, what is it about Berseria that made you want to just uh, check it out first or bring it here first? Well, Tales of Berseria, I mean, besides the fact that it is the most recent release in the series, I think it's actually a pretty good high point for the series overall. Uh, the game that came out before Tales of Zestiria, which was its big anniversary game, I think it was the 20th anniversary of the series, and uh, there was a big deal sort of made about how this was supposed to be like a very important game for the series. They were sort of creating a brand new world, everything you know they were making from scratch, uh, which they usually do for the series, but they had just come off of Tales of Exilia, which had a sequel. Uh, they had a bunch of these sort of side games that appeared on the Vita, and they were, you know, okay, but some of them were, like, ports from DS games, and there was just, like, there wasn't a big, like, flagship uh, title for the series in a, a while that was a brand new experience. And Zestiria, while good, uh, it had a lot of issues being that it was a mid-gen game, which Berseria is as well, but they, they fix a lot of the issues. Uh, so it came out PS3, and then later it came out on PS4. Uh, it was locked at 30 frames per second on PS4. It's had some very sort of muddy textures. Uh, the PC version was eventually fixed thanks to the same guy who made the Dark Souls fix. Uh, actually, he was able to unlock the frame rate and fix things up a little bit. Uh, but the, for a mainline series, it felt like it was lacking something. It had like a... You could tell they put a lot of work into the story that they were going for and the world they are going for, but something, there was like a little bit of a disconnect with it, and so I had played pretty much every single Tales game up to Zestiria, and Zestiria was the first one where I sort of called it quits, uh, not even halfway through. Like, I got most of the way through Exilia 2, and the only reason I didn't finish it is because I think just I went back to school, things sort of caught up with me, and I'd like to go back to it someday, but I played through all of Exilia, I played through all of Graces, which is another sort of controversial title in the series, and Zestiria just, something about it did not catch me, and I know there's a lot of people who sort of felt the same. Uh, people are very divided on it, there are people who really love the characters, or people who really love the anime, like, in just the anime, for some reason. Uh, I've never seen it, so I can't really comment on that. Uh, so, when Berseria came out last year, I sort of I didn't really ignore it, but I was like, I'll put this on the back burner. And this year, I was sort of, I had like time during the summer and I decided, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check it out. And so I, it was on sale for like $20 on Amazon. So I picked it up and it took like a couple hours for me to sort of get an idea what was going on. But as soon as it introduced the characters and sort of introduced everything and got the battle system all the way up there, uh, it's really like just grabbed its claws into me and did not let go and I played that game I think I put like 80 hours into it in like the course of a week 
And oh, wow. it, it, it had been a long time since a, a JRPG had, like, grabbed me that hard. Uh, the last one was probably Persona 5, and Persona 5 was sort of a special case because that one, there's so much build-up to that one. And that one, I even, I put, like, 80 hours into it, and then I had to go to, to Japan. <laughs> and I came back, and I didn't even pick it up for, like, another five months. I don't think I beat it until around October uh, of the following year. Like, it took me forever to finally finish it off. Right. And this game, like, just, I went, like, straight through it immediately. And... The Tales games, they always are more character-focused, I feel, than any of the other sort of big mainline JRPGs, Final Fantasy, Persona. I'll even put, I'll put Persona in there now just because of the clout it sort of has in the West, mm-hmm. even though it's still not really... I wouldn't consider it on the same level of, as Final Fantasy in terms of uh, market clout. Um, but, like, Tales, Final Fantasy... Uh, What's uh, Dragon Quest? Like, I, I feel like those are, in my mind, I feel those are, like, the big three series. And Tales has always been below those in terms of popularity. It's, I wouldn't call it niche, but it is, it 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 does very well with respectable sales around the 500,000 worldwide range. Right, they don't, right. It's they don't one need of those to series break. that doesn't have to be, like, a 30 million seller or whatever, like, get Mario Kart right. numbers just to be a success. Or right. even, even, uh... If I remember right, like Tomb Raider selling four million was like I don't know about this one, guys. There's yeah. there's more modest expectations and more fair expectations. Yeah, I think uh, I feel in JRPGs I sort of lean towards that concept a lot more now. Like I love Final Fantasy 15, but just watching it, I could see the money just burning on screen, <laughs> and it's just like this. You really did not. This game is fun. It does not need to need to look like this. No, I mean to, some, to something to fun. something like an Octopath Traveler. Not to get too topical, is is I think I, I would hope would show that sort of lesson to Square, but they had a similar lesson to be learned with um, with uh, Brother Default. But it seems like that dovetailed into Fifteen. Although Fifteen had such a long, you know, arduous dev cycle that I'm sure one didn't really inform the other. But these more low key efforts from the Bravely Default team are proving to be pretty strong and. Everybody wants to get their hands on that Octopath Traveler. Yeah, I mean, uh, Tails is in a similar case as... I'd put it in like the level of something like Bravely Default. It definitely has a lot more money put behind it than you know those sort of smaller games. But in terms of its market visibility, that's sort of where it is. And it right. sort of hits, it hits those type of numbers. Um, last I looked, at least on the PC end, I, I went and checked. Like, Tales of Berseria sold like... 300,000 on Steam. Mm. Zestiria sold around 500,000 on Steam. And you know, including when you when you think about like sales and things like that. I think I don't think Brasilia ever went below like $25 on Steam. Right. Uh Zestiria has been like 5 bucks though, but <laughs> the uh it definitely it does very respectable when it's only hitting like a million and a half worldwide. Like that that's considered like a huge hit. Right. I think like one of the, the the series as a whole, I think, is sold like in the sixteen million range when you combine everything from Tales of Fantasia, was it? Uh in uh on Super Nintendo all the way up to Brasilia and all the spin off stuff. Put together, it's only sixteen million and they consider that a you know, a huge success and if you compare it to something like Final Fantasy where, you know, sixteen million is what they needed to hit the break even on uh. the the first half of Final Fantasy fifteen. 
because uh, that game is apparently still being developed practically. I it and, seems like it is. I I see nothing but like every few months more more episode DLC things that they're just like, well, we have this engine, we made this game. Uh, let's 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 squeeze some more money out of it without like making janky broken ass multiplayer. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, I sort of, like I said, I sort of gravitate towards those type of series now. These series that aren't, uh, like Persona, I love, but you could tell that they really were trying really hard to pump a little bit of extra money into it to sort of get like this really distinct style. And, uh, you know, the graphics are fine. They didn't need to go crazy with it, but it's a very large game with a lot of different environments, a lot of voice acting, a lot of different characters. And, you know, so they definitely put a lot more money behind it than they did in anything like 3 or 4. Right. And Tails has always been sort of, sort of able to survive at this sort of middling range of budget. And, like, Yakuza is a similar series where Yakuza, half their budget is made up by product placement. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, Cause no it one cares. It fits the world, really. Yeah. It, it fits the world. They know how to use their budget correctly, and those, those games are... You know, incredible. I feel like Yakuza Zero is one of the best games to come out of the last, you know, five years, and that game must have cost not even like a tenth of what a AAA title costs. Oh, for in sure, the, for in sure, and paid off dividends because it's recently in the the Sony Greatest Hits thing for PS4. Yeah, that was the one where I'm like, oh, really? That one? Okay, sure. Like, yeah, it, and it's, out. it's sort of it sort of cemented that series as sort of being a in the zeitgeist of like western not mainstream but you know the the main gaming audience of like the hardcore gaming audience is really like oh yakuza is a thing to pay attention it's, to it's yeah it's not just a weird uh you know affable thing i i would say yeah zero was the one that pushed it over the edge cuz i think there was hubbub around 5 and when i went to play 6 and it had all the recaps 5 seems definitely like the end of the cell saga of fucking uh yakuza yeah. like everything's kind of coming together um, but, uh, yeah, I think it was definitely Zero that made the West pay attention. Almost similar, I'd say, to, like, a Monster Hunter World scenario. Although, yeah. like, Monster Hunter World, you can see the money. In a similar uh, situation of 15, you can see where the money's gone. You can see it kind of dripping from all the fucking environmental interactions and trees. And, like, just every time monsters fight, you know that there's a, there's a team that was cranking on that for months and months and months. Like, to make sure that different monsters interacted in different better ways oh for sure yeah so. it's it, it definitely it looked more expensive and they felt like i think that's an issue with certain developers like capcom and uh to an extent square enix or where they feel like oh the way we appeal to a western audience is we pump more money into it yeah you know, we need to, yeah. we need to make these like event titles and it's one of the reasons, like, I, I don't like, like, I definitely, I talk a lot about how much I love specifically, like, Japanese games, and it's not really because they are Japanese, it's more that the way a lot of Japanese developers manage their budgets, manage their, you know, their brands, mm -hmm. and they do their releases, it makes for just a more appealing experience uh, to me, because knowing that I'm going to be able to get games like Tales of Brasilia, like, uh, Namco, they really, they sort of put a lot of effort to create a lot of different types of titles and put them out and also not put so much money behind them where they are going to 
be like on pins and needles whether or not it sells like 20 million copies. exactly exactly like and i was i was about to say like bandai namco out of like every japanese publisher uh you know next to maybe like a nintendo who is kind of their own world even in japan they are their own island uh as, as yeah. it were when it comes to development Bandai Namco seems to take a lot of risks of, of that kind of thing. Like, I'm sure if you just put the budget spreadsheets of Tekken 7 and Street Fighter V next to each other, like, you'd see some very great results from something of Tekken 7's caliber. And where yeah. where you can see where a bit of money in that goes, you can it, it seems a bit more more organic and earned than something like a Street Fighter V, where it's just, you can clearly see Sony cutting a paycheck, like, every, 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 11th cent is Sony's cent they pump it to the game or something and it's just like yeah. Tekken 7 felt a bit more organic I don't know it felt that also felt like a culmination of the entire franchise to an extent so I guess that that kind of helped but yeah oh man Bandai Namco and like Bandai Namco publishes you know Dark Souls Bandai Namco publishes random old retro shit like Pac-Man Championship Edition uh, they publish Dragon Ball Fighters and all the all a lot of anime games in general so like they're not afraid to kind of take those uh, kind of leaps because you know while in the west the the quote-unquote double a developer you know like the one that uh the ladder rung below quote-unquote triple a has kind of faded and is trying to reassemble itself in japan something like a uh, bandai namco makes it so it never really left yeah i mean and even like they they're putting out new ips as well like if you look at uh it's not out yet so i can't really say if it's good or not but that game code vein uh that they've been teasing a lot like it's a like a souls inspired but like super anime uh art style but unreal engine 4 type lighting and graphics mm. uh so you know they're they're trying a lot of sort of different things they're also willing to sort of get in bed with other developers and like they're, they're really close with nintendo with all the stuff like smash, with smash brothers and, yeah like I was, know, I was totally about to say like that's a they're a huge reason of how smash uh for wii u was kind of put together Right, yeah, I mean, they've definitely had, you know, missteps, like, they've put some money behind things that, you know, definitely didn't need it, like, they tried to do a weird push with Ace Combat, where they tried to rebrand it as being a more, sort of, Western style in certain cases. Oh, was that and the Dark Horizon or whatever from uh, years and years ago? It's the uh, one that had, like, the, the, the ending was, like, a uh, quick-time event fist pump. Oh, God. And uh, it's just, like, they do, you know, they sort of do these ridiculous things, but... They get behind a lot of sort of like weird like little things as well, and Square Enix I feel is trying to do that as well with uh, letting the Bravely Default team sort of come out with these sort of weird experiments. Uh, mm -hmm. The results have not been that great for Tokyo RPG Factory as of yet, but the, those games aren't bad. They're just they're missing like sort of that unique hook. Right. Uh, like Lost Sphere was interesting battle system, kind of plain story and setting and i am setsuna is throwback battle system with a interesting setting but kind of a uh, again a plain sort of story and you know lacking in sort of character development and so you know they're willing to get behind that stuff but those games also their budgets are small enough to where you know i am setsuna didn't set the world on fire but that team was still able to make something new right and and, i'm sure you know, i'm sure to, like from its initial release to the uh, Switch launch release, like I'm sure it got some kind of traction going that that would make it, in, in their eyes, a success. So. Right. Yeah. But yeah. So the the Tales series, that's sort of where it sits in like the world of RPGs uh, in, in the current industry, and it's of of the series that I play, and I play most of them. It's mm -hmm. probably 
uh, my favorite overall in terms of when I put all the titles together. Because, like, I love Persona series, but, you know, I, I love two, but it's hard to even consider it part of the same series. It's so different. Right. Um, and, you know, I love three, four, and five. Um, but they take so damn long to make. Which I respect. Yeah. I love that they, they take their time. I don't need a new per- numbered persona every three years. You know, you can take your time with it. Uh, but Tails, they sort of just have this sort of workflow down where they can... It doesn't feel like they're pumping them out. They take their time with them, but they don't go crazy with things that other games sort of do, like Final Fantasy and Persona. Like, the environments are never like, whoa, like, this is crazy. Or, you know, the the textures are always a little muddy. Mm-hmm. Uh up until Brasilia, I'd say the character models are also usually a little like lackluster in terms of a sort of something that made them look sort of unique. It's they, they have their own sort of style. Their in-house artists, you know, always sort of capture like a specific style. That I can look in like, oh, that's a that's a tales of character. But the models have, especially up to like Zestiria, have always been like a little like this is sort of strange looking. Brasilia, they sort of really outdid themselves with facial animations uh, uh something that has sort of become more common now in a lot of anime style games is being more expressive uh expressive specifically with the eyes and like pupils um like one of the things that i because i went back and i looked at zisteria a little bit played a couple hours of it to sort of compare and everyone has sort of these very dead eyes where they sort of just they stare off into the distance mm-hmm. and a lot of anime games are like that because they create the the model for the face they but they make them blink that's about it. Their eyes maybe track, <laughs> but, you know, that's it. And uh, I feel like Tales of Brasilia, they, they made sure that the eyes, they would follow movement better and that the pupils would sort of react to what is happening. If character gets sort of angry, you know, pupils will shrink a little bit. It it gives, and the, the characters are also, they don't feel like robots. Like, they, uh, they, they actually, like, touch each other. That's one thing that always really annoys me in a lot of... Uh, JRPG specifically, uh, but this is an issue in a lot of... Oh, the anime cops are coming to arrest me. Square Enix didn't heard you were talking shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, But, like, you'll see this in a lot, of, like, especially, like, PS3 era, even more in PS2 era, where character models never touch each other. Like, they're so disconnected. When they hand something to each other, they... They reach their hand out, and then the other hand comes out, puts it over the other hand, and takes it. It's like, you got the item. Like, there's no... There's always something, like, stilted with them. And uh, Brasilia is one of the first sort of JRPGs. I know other ones have done that, because Persona does has been doing this uh, in 5. It did great. But mm-hmm. the character models feel like they're all on the same sort of plane of existence. Like, they uh, can fall into each other. There is uh, care taken to the animation in cutscenes. And something that Tails does that I can't believe no other sort of series has really just taken this wholesale. I know some smaller titles have sort of done something similar. Like, I think Disgaea also does this a little bit, but not to the extent that Tails does. But the skits that uh, sort of is a very... It's the calling card, I feel, of the Tails series where instead of putting time and effort into crafting a cutscene to create all these character interactions... And mm-hmm. instead of it also just being a character interaction that is done completely in text, because that's something that you mentioned Octopath. Octopath is a great game, but one of its issues is character interaction is very minimal. And it's also 
all done through just text and basic uh, sprites sort of looking at each other. And one of the things that Brasilia and all the Tales games up, I think, I forgot which game it actually started with. It wasn't at the SNES one, but as you're going through the story, a prompt will pop up. You hit that prompt and it gives you like a little skit that plays out through the portraits of the characters. And it used to be when it first started, it would just be the portrait and maybe their mouth would move a little bit. Uh, but each game, they sort of developed this system to where now in Brasilia, instead of it just being portraits, it's like a full, it's the full body uh, 2D image of them, oh, the 2D render. Yeah. And they will move, the, they actually sort of like, it almost kind of feels like paper crafts, like like a paper craft puppet theater where they're moving, they're moving them around on the 2D plane and uh, they have like, five or six different poses that they'll cycle through depending on the situation. Right. And there are hundreds of these skits and almost all, I think all of them are always voiced and they put a lot of effort into designing these skits where they really build out the, the world and the characters. And that's sort of what tale, as I mentioned earlier, tales is always really usually about the characters and less about the plot itself. The plot's, have never really gotten that, you know, crazy. Uh, I think, like, Exilia had, you know, an interesting plot. Uh, Vesperia has an interesting-ish plot, but, again, it's more about the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Symphonia has some, you know, twists and turns in there that are interesting. Same with, like, Tales of the Abyss. They always have, like, a little thing in there that's sort of like, oh, okay, you know, that plot is interesting. Uh, but it's more about how the, the characters interact, and they do that by having hundreds and hundreds of these skits that build out each little aspect of the character and sort of by the time you are done with it you've put you know 60 to 80 hours into it you have this huge collection of character interactions that they have done that you never get in something like final fantasy like i love final fantasy i love final fantasy 10 specifically mm-hmm. and you know one of the things i really like about that game is sort of the, the cast and even though you know people you know shit on titus but it's like uh, there's a story reasons behind his personality like you know whatever um but i like the interactions between people but when you really examine that game break it down you don't really get that much character interactions you get like a movie's worth of character interactions uh in tales of tales of series you get what feels like a novel's worth of character interactions because you have so many of these different elements coming in and a lot of them will come in to give context of a specific, like an event that just happened uh, or like a side quest you just did or even like an item that you just bought, something that uh, seems completely inconsequential and then like that pop-up comes on and gives you like a 10-minute skit that involves, you know, multiple characters and, you know, brings even depth to a lot of the side characters, which is something I felt was not, maybe not fully unique because I think other games have done this a little bit. Uh, but Brasilia really focused a lot more on not just the main, like, party, but there's also this sort of cast of minor characters that are very important to the overall plot, and they get some significant screen time in these skits as well. I was about to, to say, like, where, like, how do they tie into a lot of the uh, skit progression and, like, they get their own moments? Yeah, like, uh, you said you got, you know, kind of far in it. There's, there's one point where you have to go rescue... Or you have your, your tasks go kill, like, this lizard demon. And uh, so you, you go and you go and you fight him, and then you end up uh, letting him survive by cutting off his tail, and you bring the tail back to sort of show that he's dead. Mm-hmm. And that ca- the character model of the demon looked like any generic 
character in the game. Like, it didn't look special at all. And I thought for sure, like, it's just a quest to sort of move along the story. Right. And you eventually have to go back to him because you need his help for something. And he becomes, he ends up becoming, like, a major character in the story, which right. I did not expect at all because I, I sort of have these... I've played so many of these damn games that I have, uh, unfortunately, built up an, an immunity to a lot of surprises. Like, I'm playing through Xenoblade Chronicles 2 right now. Right. And there are moments that happen in the story, and I'm like, oh, I know that this doesn't matter because of my understanding of game logic. Like, I've already run into a, a point in the game where there's a skit, or like, a, they have kind of skits in uh, Xenoblade as well, but they're called Heart to Hearts. And uh. you, I've, I found one, and it required a certain number of characters. And one of the characters was gone, and it seemed like they were dead. And it's like, well... I now know that, that character's not dead because I just know how the game logic works. And the Brasiria sort of tricked me with its logic of characters it was going to introduce like part of the story. Because I thought I thought for damn sure that this uh, lizard character that you fought once was just not not gonna be important at all. He ends up being one of the most like important characters of the story and like shows up in like the main ending. There's another character who shows up who's like uh, just a generic samurai-looking guy, and you fight him once, and I was like, okay. And then he ends up being like extremely important to the plot like later on, and I did not expect that at all. And they do some twists and turns with his character that are very interesting, where he has to actually like use his own head to like forge a sword. Whoa. And it, it was it, it went in places I did not expect for a JRPG, like, I felt like, oh, I, I know all the tricks of the trade at this point. And, it, you know, it definitely fooled me with a lot of its stories, uh, that it's, because it has, like, little sort of mini-stories that are going in and out. And the overall plot of it is, I think, it's, I don't want to say it's, like, great, because it's not, it's not gonna light the world on fire, but I feel like when you have like really any story regardless of how sort of generic the actual plot of it is when you introduce characters and you make them so sort of detailed you'll mm. get sort of invested in any plot that's happening because uh, right. it doesn't really it doesn't really matter like oh that you know this is not going to be you know the next great uh you know story that's going to just completely change your perception of the world but when you've built up such a sort of love and interest in these characters like it doesn't really matter and that's what the series has already strived for, and I think Brasiria does it some of the best, because I've played through Graces, and Graces, its characters were like, okay, like, the, the, the main the main female character is, like, practically a mute, and is very, like, hmm. uh, like, bleh, and, like, there's nothing going on with her, and everyone's also very young. That's another, like, main criticism of a lot of JRPGs, is a lot of characters are usually pretty young. Uh, Tales of Brasiria has a great mix, like, the main character is 19, uh, the secondary one of the secondary characters is probably like he, he's character models in his 30s i think he's like 500 years old or something uh you have another character who is probably in his like 40s uh you have a character who is sort of like an eight-year-old uh and it's a it's a good mix that you don't usually get with a lot of specifically like main characters in jrpgs and one of the main criticisms that i don't even, I wouldn't even call it a criticism i'd say it's more like knee-jerk reaction that people had when this game was coming out was the main character velvet is everyone sort of called her just like a straight up like edgelord <laughs> which i understand she's wearing a like super 
revealing dress that's red and black with like this boob window in it. She's also wearing and, a choker. Uh, she's wearing a ch- uh, she is wearing a choker. Yeah, she's wearing a choker. <laughs> um, she has like this black cape. Uh, she has uh, she has the boob window, but it's like an under boob window, which I find funny. Uh, and her, she's wearing like these like uh, short shorts that are all sort of like ratty and like uh, coming apart, like you'd buy it like a like a hot topic. I think it was also and, the, this that it was jarring because like we had seen her prior to that happening, like right at the beginning of the game. Yeah, they they they, they definitely because I don't want to get I don't want to go too much into the actual plot because I think it's worth sort of going through blind a little bit. Uh, gotcha, but gotcha. they definitely they definitely do start it off where it's things are things are good for velvet and then they get very bad for velvet and it's it reminds me a lot of uh jack 2 where wow. uh, uh you know you have jack who's this fun loving you know mute but you know goofy kind of character in the first game and then they have that scene at the beginning where Daxter is like, "Say something just this once." She's like, "I'm gonna kill I'm gonna whatever." Kill Draxus. Draxus. I'm gonna like, ah, it's like that's almost verbatim what happens in. I'm gonna kill uh, Artorius. Artorius. Like, I'm gonna kill. I'm gonna eat Artorius. Is like, okay. <laughs> so Calm I was down. Like, oh boy, here we go. And she is like that for a while, but I feel they one they do give her. A good enough reason, I guess, to be really pissed off. Um, one issue I will say is they made a bizarre localization change where uh, this isn't much of a spoiler because it happens like right at the beginning of the, of the game within like the first two hours. Right. Uh, she has a young brother who is uh, sick and she's taken care of, and there's this guy, uh, Artorius, who is like her brother in law, and his, her, her, his wife, her sister. Uh, was killed seven years prior and he has sort of been looking after them and then a bunch of stuff happens and Artorius sacrifices her brother and Mm. her brother uh, the way he does it is he like he like floats him up into the air and then he gets like stabbed through like two like magic spears now I remember that (laughs) and it's this very sort of like it's like uh, they like really do really quickly it's like uh uh, and they have blood in this game too, which I was a little surprised by because sometimes they will take the blood out because that's an easy thing to change. And so they took that, uh, they left the blood in, but they they changed the way he died, and they changed the the entire cutscene where, huh. in the English one, like I said, he floats up and he gets like impaled by these like two spikes, and in the Japanese one, he gets stabbed by Artorius and then like lifted up in the air and like thrown, and. Uh, <laughs> It's a bizarre localization change because it's more like it's more of a guttural like impact to see him sta- essentially like stab her brother through the heart and then like lift him up in the air on the on the sword. Right. And like it's a more like uh like jarring visual especially because like you said up until that point everything has been very like sort of happy go lucky like la di da di da you know kind of feeling to it and and then it just like comes out of nowhere, and uh, the it gives you more of a explanation for why she has such a vendetta against like the world in general, but specifically against Artorius. Right. And they so they made that change, and I feel like that it sort of took away from a little bit of the impact. Although there's some people who argue that the U.S. version is more violent, but I disagree because it's it has magic, and I think magic is inherently less 
uh, of a guttural impact than just straight up stabbing someone because it's it's more disconnected. You know, we as uh, in the real world, people get stabbed all the time here. Like it's it's more it gives it more of a real feeling where like he actually had to sacrifice him with his hands. He didn't use like a spell. Right, and, it'd be uh, deliberate and like feel more real, I guess. Yeah, so I, I feel like it, it's kind of a it's honestly more of a minor thing and. It's really the only big change they made to it, but I feel it did lessen a little bit of that impact. And so going into it, I knew what happened in the Japanese version. I, I feel like for the first part of the story with Velvet being sort of like edgelordy-ish, uh, it mm-hmm. makes a little bit more sense. And she also, she doesn't stay like that for very long, um, especially when you get into like the skits. Like she's, she... She speaks with her, like, her little, like, gruff attitude for, like, a good ten hours where she's like, ah, you know, whatever, you know, kind of shit like that. Again, and very evocative of Jack 2. Very, yes. The Jack 2 is definitely a spiritual prequel to this game. <laughs> uh, and he, oh, now I'm thinking about Jack, I almost, uh, uh, Velvet eventually gets over it and they introduce, like, these extra characters. I don't even want to say the name of one of the characters because it's actually a little bit of a spoiler. Um... But they introduce this cast, which is, like, this sort of young boy who is, like, this spirit that comes from another world that uh, people use as tools, which actually has a weird connection to Xenoblade, because Xenoblade actually, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 has a similar thing with its blades. Yeah, I was about uh, to say, isn't that literally what the, the core of getting stuff in Xenoblade 2 is? It is, yeah. Like, you have these blades, and they are connected to you, uh, to your to your being and if you die they die and in a, uh, a, a, a quick tangent to that uh apparently there's like some rng systems of acquiring blades in xenoblade yeah too. it's a gotcha system my it's, friend got the fucking best healer or best like support uh sword like five hours in and my friend my other friend who had been playing since december had just recently got her he was so mad it was I'm just like god damn yeah it is it is sort of annoying i've learned to sort of how to game the system of it there's a way to get around it not really like where you can choose what you want it's just like you just brute force it like you just get mm. enough and you br- also just buy the expansion pass and you'll get like a, you'll get like 10 legendary cores and i'll guarantee you at least like eight drops pay to win uh, yeah pretty much yeah uh and but anyways uh so yeah it is weirdly connected like the i can't even i think they're called malakim in Bazeria, and uh i don't think i've even mentioned it yet zestiria is actually a sequel to Brasilia. they are the exact same world what confused me at first is all the terms are different, and so that's why I didn't realize it was a uh, prequel Spiritual initially. Because like it's they're called Malakim in the uh, Brasilia, and they're called Seraphim in Zestiria, but they're the same thing. And but they're like different now because of the way Brasilia ended. There's some stuff, there story stuff over there on why they're different. But the name is not ex- uh, explained. It's probably just like a thing that's like lost the time. Like it just changed over time. Uh, and then there are characters that started to show up that are from Zestiria. Where I was like, oh, wait a second, what? Oh, what is really? This? <laughs> yeah, like there's this isn't much of a, a spoiler because it, it doesn't. It happens relatively early. But there's a character in Zestiria whose name is like uh, Z- Zavid, and he's like a wind uh, seraphin. And he's a main, he's a pretty ex- main character in Brasilia. Mm. And then one of the main party members in Brasilia is directly related to one of the main characters in Zestiria. And uh, that's interesting. It, so they are all connected. And 
also the ending of Brasilia directly leads into a major plot of uh, Zestiria, like the the main. You figure out like exactly like who the main final boss of Zestiria is by playing Brasilia. So it's interconnected in that way, but there you don't need to play Zestiria really at all to enjoy what's going on here. It's mainly it's mainly just like. Oh, like it's like oh, okay, I, I understand that. That's now. how that ties into there. I, I mean, like had had tales besides like Zillia to Zillia two. Obviously, has there ever been that kind of direct correlation before? No, not really. They've always been sort of separate universes. The only thing I can really think of that is, and I'm sure I'm probably forgetting a whole bunch of things that probably are connected. But outside of the spinoffs, like I think Symphonia had Dawn of the New World. I think it was called on the Wii, and that's like a direct. Uh, like a successor to kind of like a world. after years final fantasy 4 like it's yeah it's a... very very similar to that yeah and but besides that exilia is the only one where i think it was like this is a direct sequel to it and even then it is a sequel but the plot is completely different and a lot of people did not like exilia for that like it didn't feel like a really a continuation it was more just like all right five years later and two of the characters come back and they sort of like you know wave away some of the consequences that happen in Exilia 1 mm. to sort of bring back some characters but it's like eh, it's right. an okay game it's fine it's not and there's also a bizarre like plot where you're actually like the plot is you're trying to make a whole bunch of money to pay back like a loan shark or something and it's been <laughs> so long since I played this game but I know that it, it had a bizarre like structural thing where what you're really doing is you're trying to just build like a huge amount of money to pay back a giant loan instead of it being like you going through like a linear story which is interesting it's definitely a an interesting plot but it definitely felt like this is you know not like the main next game mm. uh, which i usually like i mean i love majora's mask i love uh, uh lightning returns which is a, Ooh, a, biz- boy. a very bizarre sequel uh to that or like end of that trilogy of this weird majora's mask like time system like mm-hmm. what the fuck what, but i love when games get weird like that uh but i understand why people also were annoyed with exilia 2 is like the what the hell is this <laughs> and uh because exilia 2 exilia 1 like was damn good and then there are people who don't like it and it's mainly because of the voice acting the main mm. female character of exilia 2 in the english dub has like a bizarre lisp that is completely <laughs> ignored in the second and uh the second game and they also appear in other games as uh uh, like special battles and she doesn't have the lisp anymore and it's like why did you why'd you cast this character with the lisp why'd you, why'd you make this voice actress have to learn a lisp i i yeah i could i could figure it out because it's the same voice actress but well i think they, they did cha- <laughs> they did change it uh eventually but they never explained the lisp it, it, it confused the shit out of me it is strange and i, I guess I'll, I'll quickly touch on that for people who might be wondering the voice acting in brasilia i tolerated i think it's fine i don't have as much of a hatred of english dubs as some people i don't i usually don't prefer them so you're a christina uh, v fan is what you're saying uh it's like i i don't <laughs> i don't hate them um like i love the persona 4 dub even though it is a straight up anime dub like there's just this <laughs> there's a feeling that is felt in anime dubs because they use the same they seem the same pool of 10 people to record them Right, and so you just get this feeling of anime dub. And here's Yuri Lowenthal. Yuri here's, Lowenthal is all Troy, over this place. Here's Troy like, Baker, but while he was slumming it in anime dubs. Yeah, it's like fucking god. Like they, they can't, they never get uh, outside of this like small cast of people who are just, I guess, affordable. But 
this this game had some interesting voice acting. It also had some very bad voice acting, which there are people who I've seen on like GameFAQs say that they quit the game just because of their voice acting, which I can understand mm. uh, to a certain degree. What I would say is like, why didn't you just change it to Japanese? Like the Japanese dub is there, uh, but then there's like weird, uh, like other side like purists on the other end where they will only listen to an English dub. It's like what the f- what? Uh, I've never understood that. Uh, but there's a side character. I wish I could remember what her name was. I, I think it was Kurugana, and she doesn't come into like 40 hours into the game. Uh, but she has an extremely annoying voice, and she she also <laughs> cries a lot. Where so because she, she's supposed to be like a little child that's been turned into a demon, and ah. she and her mother she she ate her own mother. Uh, Jesus. And. Uh, they don't tell her that, so she's constantly wanting to know where her mother is. And so, but she has the most fucking annoying, like, screechy cry that they make <laughs> this poor voice actress do. And it's, it happens like eight times in throughout the main plot. And it's like, oh my God. And I guess I just have a high tolerance for that kind of like anime nonsense. Uh, so it's, it doesn't like affect my enjoyment, but like, I totally get why other people. Don't like it. And... I mean, do you think it's 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 similar to like a not to harp again on Octopath Traveler, but like um, Hanit the Hunter <laughs> just speaking in like middle school Shakespearean. Well, the, the, it's, the it's weird thing like about that. that one that's a weird case because like in a lot of in a, a lot of cases like her uh, her the the things she's saying are actually very accurate to how her dialect is supposed to be because each character sort of has like a slightly different dialect. And they do, in the Japanese version, they do the same thing where each character is sort of using a different Japanese dialect. Dialect. And, but one of the weird things about Octopath, I, I won't stay on this for too long, but uh, Octopath, the Japanese script is probably like 50% shorter than the English script. They added a like really? hell of amount of like fluff to the overall script. <laughs> and I don't really understand, I, I guess I understand why, because Japanese is very... Uh, a lot of things are implied in Japanese, but mm. I was like, I'm playing with Japanese because I'm not, I'm just not putting up with some of the English dub stuff in there. Uh, so I'm like <laughs> listening to the Japanese. I'm reading the script, and it's like they did not say like you, three sentences that you put in here. Like you're, there's so <laughs> like they just they just kept writing. Like the, the script is so long in English. There's and, a uh, lot to just kind of uh glaze through in octopath for sure there's yeah. a lot of like i'm just mashing because it's like i get it like, like you, okay i get it you have to go into the cave because your your father is ill and your sister has to be with him okay yes yeah, so i got it i got it like yes. it's it's my a funny thing not to stand this for too long but they they you can skip it and then in the options just read over their different chapters like exactly yeah you can just get if you just want like the spark notes version they literally put it in the game for you yeah I, thank god i find endearing but also like you couldn't have just written a better script it's very strange that they decided to do that but, but uh when the, if we ever do an octopath episode i'm sure we will uh, talk on, about i that. feel very strong about wanting to do one because i'm definitely involved in that game for Pretty intensively right now. Yeah, I picked a bad time to get really back into Xenoblade Chronicles 2 because that game is probably one of the most dense games I've ever played. Like, I am mm-hmm. 80 hours in, and I feel like I still got, like, another 40 to go at least. Oh. And you're making, me, the, you're making me sound like... You're making me think I'll never pick up this game. Well, the thing is, like, that's with doing a lot of the side stuff, and there is a insane amount of side stuff 
in that game because each blade you have all these different blades that are like i think you got like 40 rare ones and each rare one has its own side story that you can do and each side story has a whole bunch of different aspects to it so you could go through i could i want to say that you could just blast through the story but you really can't because i've i tried blasting through the story and that's at least 80 hours on its end like it just it is so dense it's a good game but you know i, I would love to talk about that once i finish it because we finish it up yeah uh, i now, saw so many days now is there any comparable kind of density in uh tales of berseria like is there a um like what what are things like side quests in a game like tales of berseria like are you is it one of those things where it's just like this guy's in a cave and i gotta fight him and then take the reward back to the villager like yeah if, if there's anything that is a big sort of downside to tales in general it's sort of the linearity of dungeons and mm. the way sort of like dungeon puzzles work i think brazaria is probably one of the worst in terms of dungeon design ah. like it's been a while since i have played another tales game but even zestiria sort of had some different things going on because you had like this overworld power that you could utilize to do certain puzzles where you have to use like an element to change things and a lot of it is, is sort of like basic like oh you use the fire to destroy a uh, spider web you know early on mm -hmm. and then you know you light uh do certain things but this one rosary is very very late they practically are in not the same sense as like final fantasy 13 where it's like a tube uh but it's very much like it feels like artificially complex where like you go down certain levels and you go back up the levels but you're really just following a path you know there isn't ah. if you like if you if you like take yourself out of the game for a second and really analyze what's going on all you're really doing is walking, getting into a battle, walking into a battle. Maybe sometimes you got to pick up a stone and put that stone in a different location. That'll open up something Ooh. for like a very basic puzzle. But like that's that's what you're getting. You're not getting much, you know, anything crazier than that. And you know that's definitely probably the the worst aspect of the game. Uh, but because the battle system, which I can't really touch on too much, because as I, I said off mic, it is a very non. It's not a complex system, but it is overly dense with a lot of things going on it's hard to sort of describe it, it instead of going for a more uh tactics focused system that you found in like zestiria and even specifically graces i think graces a lot of people consider as like the the high mark for the battle systems uh in the games uh it's very uh mash friendly you don't have to mash if you know what you're doing you can really get in some good combos and uh get some like really like heavy damage off but you can get through pretty much the entire game by just like sort of mashing and huh. it's both a good and bad thing because the mashing is sort of satisfying if you sort of not just mashing but you're sort of following basic combos uh that are sort of easy to mash out because there's a lot of uh move buffering you can sort of put your move in like really early and uh it's very flashy there's a lot of moments of like character portraits flashing on the screen a la something like you know a persona like all-in attack and uh you know you're just constantly seeing that stuff like these big like particle effects going off and so it has this very satisfying feeling to it uh but it doesn't have any sort of like real complexity like you don't because you can just mash there's really not a lot of reason to get really in depth unless you're going for the ultra hard battles later on right and it sort of feels like a little bit of a letdown compared to something like Zestiria, which had a bit more of a complex system where there was you had to pay more attention to like who was in your party and you know who you're switching in and out and you know who's using who and even like uh something like 
Vesperia, which has a sort of more basic and very not as flashy system, but it moves sort of your combos feel because they feel less complex uh, and less flashy. They feel more obtainable. Like you can sort of memorize them a little bit easier. There's not as many moves to them. And in the end, it kind of feels a little bit more satisfying because it feels like you have like a little bit more control over what's happening. And Rosaria sort of, they go for definitely a like crowd pleaser type battle system. And gotcha. it's not necessarily a, a bad thing, I don't think. I, I'm hoping that the next game, which is in development right now, gets some, something in between the two. Uh, but it's it's definitely something where they try to make it as sort of user-friendly as possible while also still being like crazy flashy. It's definitely the flashiest of any of the, any of the games in terms of battles. And uh, it's definitely good. Like I said, you know, the animations are vastly improved. The character animations and uh, character models are really great. So everything sort of looks really good in motion, especially because it's 60 frames per second, like a locked frame rate. Uh, right. Like, I, I, didn't ex- I didn't see any slowdown ever. So it just felt like really uh, responsive and everything just looks so good. Like I tried going back to Zysteria for a couple hours and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. The 30 frames per second cap... It, it immediately felt like I, was, I lost a lot of my control over the characters in the battle system. And, yeah, I, I think that's a fair fair complaint for if it's going to take more of an action kind of approach. Yeah, it, it's more definitely... More fluid gameplay. It's play. action. It is super action-focused. Less to an extent of Brasiria, because with the flashiness, it's a little bit faster. You're moving around a little bit faster. Uh, but it's still, like, without that full... Uh, 60 frames something felt like I, I i was losing even like the menus felt like sluggish where there oh, was wow. like just that just that just five frame delay to where like you're pressing a button like i can see the cursor on the prompt and i'm pressing the button it's not going through because the menu has not like faded in completely yet oh, so there's, there's like that five frames where you're just like I, I i just let me go to the next part of the menu let me do and something please yeah just that, that kind of stuff just drives me nuts uh I feel like Brasiria is definitely, if someone wants to ever get into Tales, like see what the big hubbub is about, Brasiria is the great, the great place to jump into because I know I feel like I, I feel like I've been so vague with everything, but it's it's one of those games where it's like I feel like you need to sort of experience everything for yourself mm-hmm. uh, to sort of really get the feeling of the characters and the story and the world. Like the world is. I won't say it's, like, generic fantasy. It has some interesting things. You're essentially, like, fighting a version of, like, the Catholic Church. It's it's very, like, uh, again... I won't say... Not, I don't want to say, like, anti-religion, but it's, like, you're fighting against what is this, like, oppressive religion. And this ah. religion that wants to take away, essentially, people's emotions and thoughts and make them all into robots, and that's what you're sort of fighting against. And uh, I feel that it's one of the better put together like confrontations like there's a reason you feel like a reason to go after the the final boss and you know go after you know uh uh artorius and things like that like even like vesperia which i love like i can't even remember who the final boss was in that game <laughs> like i i, I played that game like three times and I, I i don't even know what his name was like i cannot remember for the life of me and uh a lot of the games are sort of like that where it's still they, they focus way too more on the on like the characters, which is fine. But this one sort of struck like a good balance, and it's definitely the one I recommend people sort of jump into, especially because you can get it cheap now. Like I like I said, I got it for twenty dollars on Amazon. Uh, you can get it cheap on Steam a lot of times, and it's uh, really well optimized. As at sixty frames per second, it feels 
very like you feel very much in control like going back into Zestiria, Zestiria just feels so damn sluggish like i wouldn't recommend Zestiria to anyone really at this point uh there's just watch the watch the anime because the, the anime actually is like a tw full like 26 episode series with then a second season that crosses over with Brasilia somehow i, I haven't watched huh. it yet, but I, I know it crosses over somehow even though they're like a thousand years apart in terms of the story <laughs> uh uh, but yeah, it's. I really don't know what else to say about it. It's one of those things like I don't want to give too much away because there's so many great little like little moments that you can only really experience when you sort of get in there. Uh, there's nothing wrong with kind of holding back just so like the listeners can yeah. kind of discover it for themselves. And like you said, it's it's readily available on a lot of platforms. Tales and a lot of Bandai Namco games very good about their uh, PC presence, and they're yep. not like super demanding games to begin with. Yeah. So um, they're great for that. Um, so yeah, I, I would definitely recommend listeners giving it, giving it a try. I'd say between that and the, uh, Vesperia, uh, remake that's, or, um, HD remake that's happening this year. Maybe, you know, give that a shot too, if it tickles your fancy, you know, uh, Tales, if nothing else, it's going strong. It doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. Like it, it still seems like it's going uh, on a stride. Yeah. They have a new mainline, uh, series game that is in development that they just recently announced i don't think they're going to be announcing any actual details on it until next year probably not. and uh what i'm hoping for is if vesperia does well that they will look back at some of the ps3 catalog and maybe give that a little bit of a remaster or re-release because exilia is definitely worth playing through uh graces has one of the best ball systems in the series and mm has some interesting go things going on with the characters like it's not they're not completely dead but they feel a little bit dead and uh exilia Ex Ex one and two are good and i played tales of hearts which is the vita one and oh boy eh, it's okay eh. all the there's a there's a 3ds or uh tales of the abyss on 3ds is one of the better uh ports of the series like if for some reason you stumble across that and you have a 3ds and not a switch or something i recommend that as well that, that's a pretty good entry into the series uh abyss is one of the ones that is very well loved in japan for some reason and i think I, the only reason i can think of is that the main the main uh, male character has like an open belly shirt uh ah. that's the only thing i can think of it's the same thing with like final fantasy 12 like that kid's wearing that belly shirt people just love that love that guy uh and, but it's it's a fine game. Also, the, the main female character is also uh, really good as well. Uh, so I, I understand why people like that one, and it's a pretty good port on the 3DS. Yeah, I've been looking out at to more um, more recent Tales games. Apparently, they had a mobile game that came out last year and discontinued this year. Oh, what was that game called? Tales, Tales of, the of the Rays. Oh, yes. I think that is still going on in Japan. I don't know if it mm. ever... I think they might have canceled it in the States. They might have actually canceled in Japan for all I know. I know there were some crossovers semi-recently uh, with some of the uh, Brasilia characters, but it was another, like, gotcha game of just yeah. using mm. all the all the characters because there's a, there's a shit ton of characters from all the series they can bring in there, and then just they take that JPEG, and then they lock it in a box, and they make you pay $20 to gamble on whether or not you're going to get the 2d image and then you get the 2d image and the 2d image will attack other 2d images now i'm staring it. here at my profile on fire emblem heroes and i'm <laughs> yeah. very much questioning what you're saying to me right now so yeah that's yeah. a great sound sign. familiar to yes. literally every fucking literally, game right now literally 
pretty much most mobile games is gambling on chances for pictures to fight each other. Yeah, I, I had a so. friend that was with me in Japan who's totally addicted to Grand Blue Fantasy, and he he it felt like he was on like crack. Like he just sat there, like he wasn't felt like he wasn't even enjoying it anymore. Like he just I just gotta do it. My friend's like, on a similar strain of crack because I think he's a Fate Stay fan. Oh, oh god, yeah, that one's even worse. Like for some <laughs> reason, I see people dropping like thirty five hundred dollars on it just so they could get <laughs> like. Uh, like, God. like the 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 2D anime version of Joan Arc. Uh, like, it's come great. on, people. Great. <laughs> I will say, shout out to that game for completely ruining history professors professors Google searches for like the next ten years. Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc. All the characters are historical. Joan the Arc. Uh, uh, Caesar, Nero, uh, pretty much any historical great. figure from Alexander the last. The great. Yeah, definitely, and they're all women. They're all female, <laughs> practically. Uh, Paul Bunyan. There's a one of the best is Paul Bunyan. Oh, what, what the who, fuck? Who's not even like a historical character, but like whatever. Does he have a blue ox name? Is it, or is it a blue it, moe creature named Babe? Uh, it's uh, Paul Bunyan is a is a girl, even though they're, they're still called Paul Bunyan, which I find funny. <laughs> uh, and uh, they do have a blue ox that they uh, ride around on. Great, great. It's great. gotta be gotta be historically accurate. Yeah, I refuse to play those games, but uh, I love how goofy Fate Stay is. Can't wait for the of mouse and men character or of uh, mice and men character. Fucking Lenny can. They need to do that. Yeah, that's their next thing. Is, is like great American novel characters. Well, like, that isn't uh, isn't that what League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was? Kinda, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> which literally had like Tom Sawyer. And his code name was just Sawyer, and it's. Just... I, I definitely can't wait for Holden Caulfield to be like a like Moe like Sundre character in Fate Stay at some point. Uh, Atticus Finch is gonna be just like a, a a Grand Milf or something. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna be. He's gonna be a big big breasted Milf and uh, the Camilla Hol- of uh, from Final uh, from Fire the Fates, if you will. Yeah, yeah, and uh, can't wait. Holden Caulfield will call her a phony. <laughs> and uh, something like that. Like, and yeah. it'll be epic. It'll be uh, I, deep. God, what am I doing saying this a podcast? I should be pitching this to a company in Japan right now. Like, these these books are in the public domain, aren't they? Exactly, like, they, they are. They can figure so. this shit out. <laughs> Damn it! I gotta get off this. I got. I gotta. I gotta make some phone calls. Uh, before you go, before you hit those phones, um, I gotta say, pick. Is there a specific song from Tales of Berseria that uh, stuck out to you? Uh, definitely the intro song, which is by Flow, uh, which uh, some people will know as the people who did one of the better Naruto intros. They're a well-known group in Japan uh, for a lot of their J-Rock ballads. And mm. that's another thing that the Tales here has always done really well is they pick really good intro songs. And Zestiria kept that tradition, but they were screwed by the horrible uh, licensing system in Japan where the song that they picked, which was great, had to be the instrumental so they have all these elements of the intro that are synced up to the lyrics of the song that are just completely lost because it's just the instrumental of the song uh playing against like all this crazy shit that's happening and uh luckily brazilia was able to avoid that uh i the name is never really said in the game so i just know it as the intro song uh, but it is by Flow. I highly recommend it, and I also highly recommend you check out the song that is the the intro for Zestiria, which I believe is called uh, White Flame, uh, White or it's called Flame. White White. It's called White Light by Superfly. Uh, another fantastic song. It's it's probably my favorite part of uh, Zestiria. Got it. Got it. 
Well, thank you for coming on, Addison. Uh, nice and lightning talk about Tales uh, and kind of its stand in a Japanese game sort of modern history. As Always it were. a pleasure. I so. definitely I feel like Disgaea got to be coming up next. Like if you want to diversify. Yeah, yeah. If we want to, if we want to not do Pokemon Generation Four next time, I guess we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll start knocking on Disgaea's door. So the month uh, we'll probably not to give the listeners too much hope, but. Four is the one I've had the most time with, so it would probably be four. Four is the best. So, so that's well, there fine. you go. That, that's exactly. Fine with me. I like I like five, and I like three, and I love one, and I'm okay with two. But four is the absolute best. Is that the one with Valva Torres, right? Yes. And yes. Is, and see, I was making reference earlier in the show to a wolf companion. I was thinking of this guy at four. You know, I was thinking about that. Yeah, because I forgot. Yeah, his liege is a uh, is is a wolf man. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yes, God, uh, I'm gonna. Am I gonna dig out my playstation tv to play that game i very well may you should that game is <laughs> that that game really needs a port because i feel like in this day and age it definitely needed because you are fighting the president of the underworld it was a very <laughs> trumpish ass character great and, uh, great great petition for the switch port definitely I, i've i'm now fully now that i've played so much xenoblade chronicles i'm fully a switch beggar now like i will oh now you're in the cult Every single game, like, yep, that needs a Switch version. That Dreams game from Media Mockle, it needs a Switch version. I'm not going to buy it. Yeah, I mean, Switch you version. know, Monster Hunter World, I don't care if I have to have it hardwired in LAN to, like, stream it from the cloud. I'll play yep. it. I don't care what, what total phony baloney nonsense that Iron uh, Galaxy is saying. I want it on that Switch. Fully <laughs> uncompressed. Phony baloney. I mean, they're, they're the kings of phony baloney because they did get Borderlands 2 on the Vita. So That's true. They that also- was a... They also ported uh, Asylum, was that Arkham Knight? That was a great port. Oh, yeah, Arkham Knight on PC, PC. yeah. Mm, Yeah, so I definitely definitely trust them as far as I can throw them. (laughs) I mean, hey, if they just want to stick to fighting games, I'm fine with that. Yes, yes. They they seem to have their... They they have their strengths, and it was definitely Killer Instinct and Dive Kick. Damn right. Um, But uh, for Addison and myself, uh, we will see you on the flip... I, I have terrible outros. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Brand new day. Gotta go, 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 go,